Hello, welcome to Flow with Flow, a new podcast all about contemporary dance. I'm in training and I thought a podcast would be a really good excuse to chat some leading choreographers, performers and everybody in between. I'm now going to pass over to Flow in the studio, which is also known as my bedroom floor. to john william watson oh my god he's in the waiting room guys wait i'm nervous no i'm not get a grip hello hello how are you doing i'm good thank you i turned on my zoom my headphones stopped working so we're here without hopefully the audio's thriving anyway brilliant we move we adapt we thrive we overcome so, what are you doing today? Doing this podcast. And then I am going to do some housework that I've been putting up all morning and planning for a little workshop. Ooh, what workshop? Um, it's just like um, like young creatives, like One Dance UK. It's like a young choreographer's thing. It's a little like little Zoom thing. So I'm going to flex those Zoom muscles again. Well, you're practising now. Well, there we are. There we are, you see. This is preparation. <laughs> what pieces are you working on at the moment? At the moment, not well. I start a new solo actually in like a couple of in a month or so. Working in Leeds. Okay, a little while to think about it. Yep, yep. Sort of thought about it already. Haven't, but I am gonna. <laughs> I think diamonds are made under pressure. There we are. Amen to that. <laughs> Put it off until I have to think about it, and then I will. <laughs> I live with Magda. I don't know if you know that. Magdalena. We love Magda. And she was telling me, obviously, she performed with you. She was telling me a bit, a little bit about that piece. Um, and you're touring that piece? We are. We are. Can't wait. Can't wait. So just waiting for, like, dates and stuff to be confirmed. Can't wait. You know, just, like, fingers crossed for um, all that kind of good stuff. So, oh, love her. Legend. You're creating a new solo. You're touring your piece you made with Sadlers. But you've made so many pieces. Well, like, yeah and no. Like, I feel like I have. But then, like, in regards to, like, as a working professional, I don't think I've actually made that much. Um, yeah, like, when I think about it, I haven't actually done that much. It's often, like, the time in between that, like, feels like this kind of big, like, development period or whatever and then the pieces feel like a little reminder almost of like okay cool you've done another thing yeah one of your big solos that I think I first knew you for was your chair solo so that was I think that was the first thing I ever made as like a professional like post training um it was in the um, period of time that will not be named several years ago when no one was working (laughs) But yeah, so it was a sort of film project commissioned by Sadler's when I was a young associate, which sort of just ended last December. Um, And yeah, it was in lockdown and I wasn't feeling very creative whatsoever at all. And, you know, like just kind of dealing with the world. And we got sort of got this commission for the the, digital stage to make these short films. And yeah, it was the first thing I sort of made post-training and like after the period in which 
I started calling myself a choreographer and not cringing about it, <laughs> which is like a big, like, oh, for me anyway, it was like a big sort of hurdle post training to sort of like, because I didn't go to choreography school, I trained as a dancer, therefore, who's who's right is it for me to be like yeah I'm actually a, I'm actually a choreographer <laughs> it was there was a lot of time that I could spend thinking about the work I wanted to make and because of um coronavirus and because of that um yeah it felt really like a a, a marker like the beginning of my sort of career as a choreographer um and I felt like I'd when doing that sort of video I'd started to grapple with a lot of things that I know now are very like crucial to me and my practice and I find quite important um in the work I make so so talk us through what those things are like what are the things that you feel are crucial to your work your inspiration so I was thinking about this this other day uh, the other day because I did like an interview talking about my work and like making as a whole I think where we have to start from is that like why I decided to um, be a choreographer I guess or like what why I wanted to make work um because those sort of questions that I had then relate to my practice now um, as, as, I, as I'm sort of doing this job, I guess. Um, and it's that, like, like the world is just so confusing. Like, there's this point, like, somewhere in training where, like, you just kind of, I, I don't know, I kind of graduated from being a naive young person to suddenly being aware of, like, the world and, like, myself in it and quite like philosophical like existential questions were like constantly in the back of my mind I'm like because I studied in Belgium so I kind of left when I was 18 quite like with like a lot of naive energy behind me and I didn't really realize what were happening until about two years in I was like I'm in this different country doing that um and I started to start to be aware of like all these choices we can make in our lives and all these like sort of uncertain things and all these rules that we have to sort of go along with and or not and like how sort of fluid and strange and bizarre and individual our, our experiences are from this sort of existential like um uh, really big picture kind of angle and then sort of with that realization I also realized how silly it was and silly to worry about it um because people are weird. People are really strange. I myself, I'm a bit of a silly goose, twenty four seven, and like most people are, and thrive in your silly goose. This is it, like big silly goose energy. You know what I'm saying? Um, and how can you take that seriously? Well, this is it. This is it. And like, I, I really believe that you you can, like, you can really like question things or talk about things, like. Um, consciousness existence existence uh like death and and time and things that we all face and that are, are like rooted in sort of the fabric of being a person with a brain that can sort of see the world um but you can really explore these through humor and through like yeah comedy and laughter and arguably I think it's the best way to do it um uh because yeah you can often get bogged down in a lot of things all the time that's the most sweeping statement I've ever made, but it, everyone will relate to it. <laughs> you know, you can get bogged down by everything and everything can feel very overwhelming. Um, but humour is the best way, like just through my life, I've personally found to deal with um, difficult situations, to deal with my mental health, to 
sort of move forward from like real like hurdles and things that really um throw me off off kilter and in a performance setting I think that's also the best way to engage with all the people in the dark like make them laugh and then get them (laughs) and then tell them what you're actually talking about or vice versa you know put them in quite a uh, ambient kind of state that's like quite maybe quite intense and then reveal that it's actually not it's not so it's not that deep and it's actually quite silly and let everyone laugh about maybe something quite hard or intense that they just experienced and so the balance between these two things is what um, I strive for I guess. Mm. Nice grappling between like the more serious side and the more light-hearted side. Yeah because it's one and the same you know we experience all these things but we're still the same person um having to sort of like compute and often compartmentalize these these parts of life but it's all experiencing the same time you know time matches forward <laughs> so we all experience it in this one big way of most of the time and you can see that through your work very strongly you trained in I trained in Antwerp in Belgium so leaving training you came back to the UK yeah I did yeah after like some time there what's the difference between like Antwerp UK dance scenes well I don't really I don't really know so much because I wasn't actually I was there for maybe six six seven months after I graduated and I wasn't actually doing much dance work I don't know it's something that people don't talk about that often which is also why I really excited to come on this podcast <laughs> because yeah I, I think I, I sort of graduated and then within those those that period I was like working in Zara for a while um and I told them in my interview that I speak Dutch and I didn't and then I had to just deal with those consequences <laughs> when I started working. I worked in like a bar over summer and I also worked in a cafe, which was the most stressful job of my life. I had to like barista with no training. <laughs> um, and it, it was a combination of one, I just needed to sort of like get a job and live after uni, but then also I needed time to like figure out like what the hell I wanted to do so different in um so difficult sorry in the dance industry because Mm. everyone in third year at the moment is tears in the changing room tears in the changing room I mean like grappling with becoming a freelancer especially I got someone texting this morning saying can you ask someone how to be okay being a freelancer when you leave training everyone else I've spoken to has also said like they've just been working one-off jobs a lot and I think because there's a level of like elitism that's sort of got a sense of shame around it but like so how was that for you leaving training you didn't work you had normal jobs mm, I mean to your friend I hope to help a little bit with this <laughs> okay um but um yeah I mean I was someone that never really like never really connected with that worry at the time um just because like I tried not to put too much pressure on myself I guess what was the pressure was just kind of figuring out what I wanted to do like within the industry as opposed to like actually just getting a job um and yeah I sort of I spent that time and I didn't really know still and within that time I was also applying for the young associate position or the program whatever did you become young young associate a year after you left? It was sort of within, I graduated in the July and then 
from that period, I was doing the application process and like through summer till January, I think it's it was. It's a process, apparently. Yeah. Um, so I was doing that um, and I did it on a whim. I kept getting like many emails, been like, you know, the deadline's been extended, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't really know, you know, right now that kind of opportunity I'd snatch up. But then even though I knew I wanted to make stuff, I still didn't know that that was what I wanted to do. But I applied and through the process, I sort of figured out that, cool, I'm, I'm, I really like this. Um, but also in the January, I moved back to England and took a dance job in London for three months um, uh, at the like English National Opera. So it's very like, it was just like, oh, and this random job, it was like three and a half hours. I was on stage for probably 10 minutes. <laughs> um, with my face completely covered, you know, that big moment, you all want. Um, but it was really great. I met some amazing people. And, but I also realised that dance really wasn't, or wasn't for me, like as, as dancing in sort of other people's work, as, uh, I guess. And then obviously COVID happened, but I can honestly say that I think this would have happened the same regardless of COVID. I moved back in with my parents. I knew I didn't want to, well, I couldn't stay in London. And I knew that I didn't know what I wanted to do or what worked. So I moved back in with my parents. And yeah, COVID or not, that would have probably been the same regardless. And I just took time applying for things, like really, but applying for everything, which some people like to do. I realise now that's not something um, I want to do, but I did it and got to some rounds of things and then didn't get the job and a lot of them were like dance related still and I don't know it felt quite low stakes for me once again because I tried to not put pressure on myself as such um although there was you know I'm like oh do my family my family my mom and dad do they are they like okay you've done your fun dance training now get a job <laughs> get a job um but they're actually really supportive and yeah all those sort of experiences helped me figure out what I wanted to do um and one thing that I don't see like jumping the gun here or like skipping ahead but one thing that's like really true is that like no dance career or indeed journey into the career looks the same and when I got that piece of advice sort of in training I thought it meant like some people will do loads of ad hoc jobs some people will be in a company but the what they're talking about is creative and stuff but what's actually true is that, like, whether you're actually doing a creative job or not doesn't take away from the fact that you're an artist. Um, for example, the like, I live in a house with my boyfriend, like, we're renting, and my if I was to pursue choreography, really enti choreography uh, entirely, I won't be able to do this, you know? I'd still be living with my parents, for example. But what I do within that, I do chaperoning, like for the National Youth Dance Company, like company support work. I lead workshops on behalf of other people, um, as well as sort of teaching class in Leeds and things like this. Making pieces on colleges and teaching classes for sort of cat schemes and things like that. Um, I don't know, like doing a bit of cleaning on the side. Like there's so much that encapsulate that encapsulates being an artist and there's no right way to do it and it's all fine I have friends for example who yeah like work in a bar like 
part-time but like a good chunk of part-time but then do create jobs in between um and then not not an artist do you know what i mean and it's um i think a question is about what career you want but also what life you want to lead outside of that and i want to live with my partner for example i could be at home and i could just um focus on choreography truly as like you know my main passion but um everything else is also so um it brings me a lot of joy um in lots of different facets and that financial security which is important you know um and and yeah I've ranted a bit there does that answer any question <laughs> you, you ranted all along the right lines though I think that's also something when you're in training and also when you're growing up wanting to be a dancer of like no, you don't make much money, but you love it. And that's what counts. And then you get to an age where you have to pay your bills and you're like, yeah, I love it. But I don't love not being able to cook. I don't love not being able to live in a heated house. You know, I don't love having to live with my parents. And those things, I know for me, I felt almost ashamed to care about that because I was like, but I meant to love it. So it doesn't matter. But like, and if I say that there's bits that I don't love, I feel like I'm not I'm not staying true to that like phrase, but you've got like even dancers have got to have a rounded life. Like you just can't be like, oh, but I love it. So it doesn't matter that I only eat twice a week and I'm really tired and ill and live with my mum. You know, that doesn't work. Or even like I love it, but I can't go to the pub with my friends like that's not that's not giving yourself a rounded life and that does matter so I don't think um yeah I don't think it's really like spoken about enough that you do deserve to be able to work another job shamelessly on the side to afford the life that you need yeah well like a hundred percent and and yeah it's that thing of I don't know for me I'm like I'm I'm a I'm a choreographer because all the random decisions I've made in my life have just kind of led me <laughs> to like for some reason with the things I've been exposed to want to do this as John. I'm like I, I me my time right now on this planet. This is what my brain is telling me that I want to do. So why should I? Because of all, like the reason why I'm here is because of all the random events and decisions. Therefore, why should I then not? Why should that just be my life? Like, I don't know. And there's people who like do like really like grind and graft to like sort of make it. Most of them also work in a cafe. Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's about like for me, I'm like also decisions to take jobs always also relate back to like my lifestyle I'm like I like where I want to live so you live in kind of the countryside-ish I, I get I mean apparently it's a town but there's no there's like there's a, a post office and the Morrisons that's <laughs> Morrison is quite it's quite towny I would say quite towny and yeah there's a little chip shop and like couple of pubs but yeah it's not like there's not a town centre or anything it's just like a road with some shops on <laughs> so you work a bit in Leeds do you still work a lot in London um less so now my main sort of reason 
for going was like the young associate program. So we sort of go down on like a sort of intermittent basis throughout the year. But like, I mean, having conversations with a lot of my friends, like who happen to be based in Leeds, because I'm from Leeds. <laughs> so all my mates are here. But um, I'm really trying to work up north as much as possible. For example, like this solo that I'm creating in kind studio space via the Messums, the sort of organisation that's, that's commissioning it in London. But I asked them, like, I was like, is there any possibility that I can actually work in Leeds? Because, yeah, it's like very, it's like important to me to also like try to make the industry that we are in, like not London centric. Um, so then like really kind and really like supportive to sort of facilitate that. Um, and likewise, Northern School, big up. <laughs> I'm working there in a couple of in a month or so so um I'll see you around I'll see you around um but yeah that's like important for me to try and bring work up north as much as possible it is very centered yeah which you know is understandable tourism like just like like quantity like massive people etc etc but um but yeah it's it's important for me to like and keep it up north as much as possible so although I don't live in Leeds I'm a stone threat I could probably shout out my window very loud <laughs> very loud oh oh is that John um so yeah like uh I like to like work up north as much as possible Sadler's Sadler's Wells I who um two people last week that are the new young associate oh yeah I've been hearing all the tea about the process getting in mm. give us the tea about doing it Ooh. new perspective expose no it was great um uh yeah about doing it it was really it's I mean I don't I really don't have a fault it was um it's the first really? kind of yeah I mean it's the first kind of development program I've done so since then I've done like Northern Connections and SCD Currently, like, 4 by 20 artist at Messons Wiltshire um, with this solo. But, yeah, it was the first thing I did. And it's not my first real big sort of taste for the industry after I graduated. And, yeah, of course, there's, like, little bumps on the road. Like, I literally can't even remember now. Like, I, I literally can't remember. But as the programme, it's, 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 it's really brilliant and really, um, what do you call it, considered and... Um, sort of flexible for the sort of individual artists that are uh, taking part in it. And, you know, your your voice is incredibly important and so is yours and so is yours and what needs that you all need to, like, develop. Um, because, I don't know, maybe from the outside, outside and also for me, I, I got, I get, like, got swept up in this quite a bit. It feels like a big platform. Oh, because it is. <laughs> so it feels quite scary. I'm like, oh my god, Mr. Um It's like really scary. Like pictures on the wall, and it's like it feels like this like oh thing you've got to make. But actually, from the inside, it is a really rich like development program, and we do like workshops more or less. I think every month or every other month, we go to London um, and do workshops with loads of people from like across the industry from different facets of it. Um, either like zoom workshops with people like go on like a little day out somewhere to speak with arts organizations you hear about funding about the creative process about 
dramaturgy, about planning your life, about um so it's really as much as maybe I don't know, from the outside and also for me in it, these kind of big performance opportunities are what feel quite overbearing, the actual bulk of the program. Um from like a development point of view is like all these wonderful like workshops and things that sort of equipped you for the industry, which is, is I found incredibly beneficial. Um, and it's, did you have a bit of a platform before doing it or did you go in and then create a bit of a platform there? Um, As in like, like my work and like, yeah. Um, I don't, not really. Um, I mean, many a year ago, I was on BBC O Dancer. Um, so I did that, but I, 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 it's obviously like a dance competition. So um, I don't know how much that relates to sort of um, my work now or like um, a, a platform or like a, a whatever. Um, but I don't think so. I think I think it kind of also just the power of like the social media, like um, the, the social medias. But um, it kind of developed throughout the program, um, sort of quite like in line with the trajectory of the program and sort of building up to the main house. And then, um, yeah, cause, like you can meet a lot of people at like events and stuff there. Although like it was the odd person that would speak to me, that'd be thankful that they came to me. And there's other people in the room that probably would have been beneficial for me to talk to. But, like, who's doing that? <laughs> Networking. <laughs> also, like, I was speaking to the people I was speaking to last week about, like, networking. And what is it? And what is it? What is it? Because, like, people at networks, like, go out and like, hey, girl, can I have a job, please? <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Stop it. But then, like, what is that? What is that working? Who knows? I mean, I suppose what it is is just letting people know, like, you're still knocking about. Do you know what I mean? Like, like if you meet someone at an event, for example, and you're like, oh, hey, 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 it's like following that up with a DM or writing an email, letting them know. That's it. Like, just reaching out. Yeah. And be like, hello. Um. Yeah. For example. Queen of networking. Don't know if she'll listen to this podcast, but Nora Fay, she was basically like um a placement dancer for Hang in there, baby, the piece that's had this um last year. And she just she literally just messaged me or just emailed me, being like, Hi, this is me. I want to work for you at some point. Or like, you know, and she was like, she's in her fourth year um at school in Holland. Um and she was like, I want to do placement. And, like, you never know what, like, for example, at that time, like, and we've chatted since, like, like doing the placement and stuff, you never know, like, what, who the people you're messaging or emailing, what, like, position they're in. For example, me, although, like, I had the Sadler's Wells name, I'm still an emerging choreographer, and at the point she emailed, I was very much still just, like, starting. I just made my first piece. And I was like, oh, my God, amazing. I was like, yeah, hundred percent. I'm really free <laughs> to do whatever every day, every day, all day, all day, every day. But yeah, I was like, absolutely, like hundred percent, you know. Um, and 
she was going to be there for Northern Connections for the piece I made. Like, I would like to go over there, but COVID and other things, I can't remember what happened in the end. Um, but then she ended up being there for Hanging In There, Baby. And that was all just on a, on a DM or an email, you know? Um, and I've, I've done it before as well. Emailed someone that I might admire and I'm like, they're never going to reply. This is scary. And you get an email back. Didn't get what I wanted. I wanted like some mentorship or something. But they were like, I'm not available. And I was like, I assumed that anyway. But thank you for the email. And they checked out some of my work and they know I exist. So, And in this industry realm sector, another thing I'm kind of exploring at the moment is the elitism inequality side. The less fun artsy-fartsy side, more serious side. I mean, I think there, there is a shift happening, um, but many people argue, I would argue, that it's not at the speed rate, and of course, that they should, and also, it should already have been happening. But there was a lot of talk from choreographers, organisations, whatever, during COVID, about sort of equality, diversity, and also supporting freelance artists, because they make up such a high percentage of the industry. And I have seen certain like places change. For example, like I don't know, call outs shifting to be not these huge things you have to put all your time and effort into because if people are working full time, for example, they can't put that time aside for that application. So it's sort of a financial barrier. Yeah. Also, I don't know, places in theaters like just generally not um what's the word? Program like for example the same like cycle of choreographers that are often like straight white men that like maybe have been working for 30 years or whatever there is that there is a shift but still still of course there's like work to be done and per- like personally one of the biggest sort of barriers is like financially like as a working class artist with not like a huge amount of money behind me or you know I can't afford to I don't know like make my own work because of uh fund or like something or like my parents have money or things like this so growing up that was a big worry for me and of course the narrative that was fun is that like oh John's like Billy Elliot you know the working class little boy uh, wanting to dance but it did feel like that because it's like you know you, you hear around from teachers or whatever like you're not going to make money and growing up in like a working class environment that's like that's over your head you know you're like I need to get a job that makes makes money in the future and some places doing good with that, some places not so much. I still see call outs that often like offer to pay. Like I saw one that offered it was like a choreography residency for a festival. It was offering artists the choreographers £23 a day. And then you don't know, have to pay to live wherever you need to go for this thing. Um or applications maybe still having fees on things like this. And Another actually thing is just payment and not being paid on time is a big one. That yeah, I've spoken to several friends. Um, the ones who are listening, if <laughs> you know, you know, um, about like a job I've had sort of like fight to get paid for, and I'm like, we are in a recession, cost of living crisis, and I thought I was going to get paid by this thing because we don't have a salary, you know, in this industry unless you sort of in a repertoire company or whatever. We don't have a salary, so. You have a ballpark of when you've sent your invoice or for whatever project, you know you'll get paid, but sometimes organisations don't do the work that they should and then you're sort of battling to get paid. 
to do an apprenticeship, what other industry do you have to pay 12 grand to do an apprenticeship? Right. What is that? Sorry, podcast listeners, I'm just sipping my tea. Make it make sense. And like, like, what other industry do you have to pay to apply for a job? Go on. <laughs> <laughs> what other industry are there only three jobs available to get paid right. all year round? I mean... <laughs> what other industry is it somewhat acceptable to just not, just not be paid? Just not be paid when, when you ask to be paid. Yeah, it's definitely something we need to work on. But what I can't really work out, because obviously I'm not particularly in the industry, I'm in training for the industry. Who mm. knows why I'm not getting paid, but <laughs> <laughs> apparently I am. Is is it that they can't afford to pay because there's no money given to the sector? Or is it that they're thinking, or is it that they're just like facilitating a rich sector and they don't really care i just can't right i've got some thoughts on this go on so what's the question (laughs) like yes okay yeah i've got it i've got it so the thing is as artists and creatives we always have to work within our means yeah we have, if I wanted to make a project with 15 people with a huge set and a live orchestra, uh-huh. I couldn't do that at the moment no. because I don't have enough money to buy a new blender. Right. Right. That's where I'm at. <laughs> so I won't do that. Yeah. And I'll maybe apply to a theatre like Messums or whatever yeah. and get funding through them or apply for arts council. Yeah. If I get a project and they say, this is how much money you've got to make the piece and this is how much money the music would cost to make I can't use that music that's it we adapt and we move arts are creatively free flowing thing and we have to yeah constantly make compromise and sort of all great art in history will have had elements of those compromising so in regards to say a call out um I saw one a couple of months ago for a five-day audition um, so it require people to take five days a week off work with not much notice. But there's also cuts, I think, throughout the period. So you might only be needed for one or two days or whatever. They have to pay for somewhere to stay while they're doing it. They have to buy food while they're there. And there wasn't any sort of honorarium or financial support to support the artist in it. And this is the thing, like funding is difficult, like with the NPO sort of cuts from the government and things like that, these national portfolio organisations, big dance organisations have lost a good percentage or all of their sort of steady funding, for example. And I don't know with these companies and stuff like that, what the situation is. But if you can facilitate like a, a good working practice for an audition to be able to support with travel and, and accommodation if needs be or... um offer an honorarium to spot the time away from work or whatever don't do it that's the fact if this company you can't do it don't do it but they still proceed to because their name you know they feel like oh no but 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 like I'm choreographer x or I'm company whatever oh. um and go on say it 
<laughs> I think this one this was Akram Khan company, I think. Okay. Don't call me on that. I think this one is. And um yeah, there's a lot of backlash online and then they they sort of redid it and they, they posted it again with the a small a small fee that, that they would offer the the the, the participants. But um I, I think it's laziness. It's laziness. Either if you can't afford to have that many dancers in your audition or whatever, find a different way around it. You know, like just it's 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 silly. But I'd argue it's not always that from a funding perspective, they have the funding, but they want to keep the funding to fund the production. Oh, this really cool light rig. <laughs> I don't know. Um it goes again back to the thing of like, if you love it, you'll do it. Like if you take those five days off work to do that, you might not get your five days of holiday. And then like you're deciding between maybe an audition or seeing your family. Like, it's not that I love it, so I'll do it. It's that I can't do it. Mm. It does. It ju- And it just perpetuates yet more like inequality and like this sort of, yeah, like, I don't know, like class divide or like, I don't know, lack of, it's another barrier. It's just another barrier like keep elitism in the, in the industry which we need to be breaking down and hopefully the fact there was backlash shows that people are yeah yeah but it's you know it's frustrating because it's also companies like these that say in covid would be like we're supporting freelancers we're doing this we're doing this and then they proceed to do stuff like that and it's like it doesn't like you've done the work to like say you're gonna do this so like <laughs> you know what I mean yeah no it's it is tiring and a bit frustrating and also very daunting like trying to leave training and you're like I can't get a job and I can't afford to do an apprenticeship what do I do but I think that's just from what I've seen something you've got to grapple with got to keep working at don't be ashamed to get another job a hundred percent because it's also like a really important thing is that like whatever it is that you want to do in this industry make dance films be a dancer in a company I don't know developer uh sort of uh, body mind practice teaching schools whatever it is that you want to do everything as sat around that that's not that thing is facilitating you to do that and we'll feed it in some way and it doesn't yeah it's not doesn't take away from your artistness or status or whatever like I mean everyone can be an artist whether you go to training or not so surely the folks that go to a training even if you're working in 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 I don't know doghouse in Leeds while um you know while applying for your arts council funding bid on a weekend you're an artist or whatever you know it's it's yeah so we've now been speaking for 44 minutes stay all day me (laughs) oh my gosh um final tips and tricks main things you want to drill home right final tips and tricks um stay connected with the people that you are friends with friendship is a massive thing (laughs) when people say networking and people know everyone the nice actual like real world application of that is actually that friendship is like a big part of this industry even if you see someone twice a year at an audition or a project 
So stay connected with the folks that you like and the people who work you like and like view on the world you like. Um, and keep talking to each other. Like just keep talking to each other about your own experiences. Um, I felt very like alone in my experience when I first started and I was like, oh, everyone else is doing this correctly. And I'm not actually, everyone's doing it in a very random random way and I spoke to people who were far more experienced and have got companies and stuff like that and they're genuinely still just figuring it out um which sounds vague and annoying right now and a bit TED talky but trust me it, it relates um so yeah and keep open with your friends and colleagues and, and folks in the industry um yeah and like whatever that seed is of what makes you want to do it in the first place like keep keep reminding yourself of it um because it can be difficult, but it's also the most beautiful, inspiring, surprising, like genuinely like heart fulfilling like job. Um, so yeah, I promise it's like it's worth it, folks. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you. And I think we've we've spoken about everything, anything you could think of. Yeah. I think we've covered we've sorted the world out pretty much yep that's it that's it everyone the world's at harmony now go far be free <laughs> oh we we run it now we run it <laughs> i mean they don't do anything anyway but you know no they do not <laughs> Woo. they don't do anything you don't do anything but you do you know you do nothing <laughs> i literally do more than you doing a podcast with 100 listeners so 100 listeners Oh my gosh, first podcast got 101 downloads. That is amazing. I know I'm really famous and it's quite difficult to deal with. It's okay, it's okay. <laughs> oh my God, first one, that is phenomenal. I know, I think it was probably my mum listening 100 times. Mum. <laughs> but <laughs> it counts. It counts, okay? Oh, that's brilliant. No, but I think what you're doing is really amazing. I think it's really good and just one thing that is really important to me is like not it's like demystifying a lot of stuff because it's just just people doing the job like it's not that deep like chill out this mysterious artistic yeah I just kind of fell into this it's like nah but like this is the way it works <laughs> yeah oh I just fell into it yeah my dad's a billionaire but like it's fine it's like anyone can do it we all have the same 24 hours in a day. <laughs> Woo! I love it. Oh, um, yeah, and also I just think there's so many artists that aren't given a platform to speak on mm. or, like, don't have easy access to sharing their work. Yeah. And there's, even in training, like, I'll mention a big choreographer and people in my class that really care will be out. I don't know who that is. Because there's just, like, no... There's not many places to find these things out. I mean, I have this all the time. Speaking to people, they're like, yeah, I've, I saw the piece of so-and-so. And I'm like, should I know who that is? <laughs> and I always pretend. <laughs> I always go, wow, no way. That sounds really cool. <laughs> what? Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know them. But it's just that thing. Like, how do you find that out? Right. Like, where, you know, I'm not born with that piece of information. Here, you find it out on Flow with Flow podcast. That's where you find it out. And also, 
it's just been so fun speaking to so many people I literally now just spend my Saturdays in my room like oh but, but it is though I mean I've had such a laugh so like I bet you like chatting with like however many different people it's so much fun no it's right you're you're the best don't worry <laughs> legend I bet you say that to all the po- podcasts I don't please <laughs> <laughs> okay right I need to go I I'm out. actually I d- I don't know what I'm going to go and do. I'm probably going to go and watch telly, acting like I've got some big business meeting coming up. I'm going to go do the washing up and shower. <laughs> yes, that's what counts. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Flo. Bye. Bye. See you soon. Thank you for listening to Flow with Flow. Episodes will be out weekly and you can find out more on the Instagram. Flossy, 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 spelt F-L-O. SSI. I hope you enjoyed and I hope you have a lovely week.